Classical Christian education works to form the thinking and affections of the next generation for many reasons. One critical method is asking good questions, which can unlock deep thinking and character formation. Good questions also invite a person to hear wise answers and grow deeper in faith and maturity, not to mention a thoughtful and good question honors others and shows interest and care in what matters to them. And for sure, good questions have the power to invoke joy and laughter in the classroom and around the family dinner table. Join us for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here. It's time for yet another episode. I am so grateful you're on the journey with us here encouraging each other as we think about how to grow and encourage the next generation through the work of classical Christian education. I took some time this week, was looking around at various podcast players. It is amazing that once Basecamp Live gets published up, it ends up in so many different places. And I'm always curious, where do you listen to Basecamp? Some of you perhaps listen to it directly on the website. Most of you through a podcast app like the Apple Player or even Spotify And a lot of those players actually capture reviews. And I was encouraged just to look at how many of you have taken a few moments, which I certainly appreciate. And please do if you've not, and post up a review. Uh, One one anonymous uh, poster put this up on the Apple podcast and says, this podcast does a great job at exploring topics relevant to living a life worthy of the calling that we've received through all of the lenses of classical education. As a parent to young children, I am so thankful to have this resources And I do feel that the podcast holds wisdom for everyone in these episodes, not just classical education parents. And that's an interesting point. Certainly want anyone, if you're a parent, wherever your kids are in school, to join us as we think about raising the next generation. And this particular episode, as we explore the power of a question, it's important wherever we are. And so thanks for putting those reviews up. That means a lot. I deeply appreciate it. And Speaking of invitations, of course, info at basecamplive.com. Many of you choose just to drop me a quick note or a question or feedback. So appreciate it. Those go directly to me. Keith McCurdy, as you know, is often on the podcast, our Christian counselor, family therapist. We're going to be doing yet another FAQs with Keith McCurdy coming up in the next month or so. So those questions we will take from you and appreciate them. You can send them with your information or be uh, more anonymous will certainly protect your privacy depending, um, well, we always would do that, but if uh, if it's a question, especially about things that are personal related to raising the next generation, we just want to know what's on your mind and how we can respond and be helpful. So email those questions over. That would be a big help. So we get started. I want to say thank you as always to our sponsors, Classical Academic Press, the CLT Classic Learning Test, the Focus Group, the Good Agency, and I also want to say a quick shout out to Memoria Press as well as faith-based student musicals and Excel College. All of these organizations, whether they're curriculum providers or universities or kindred spirits with the work that we do in classical Christian education, I encourage you to take a look at their great resources. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you Scott McIlvain. I was just with Scott last week. He is the assistant dean at the lab school at the School of the Ozarks in Point Lookout, Missouri, not far from Branson. His wife, Nicole, they've been married since 2013. They have three beautiful children. Scott has a bachelor's degree from the College of the Ozarks, a master's in organizational leadership from Evangel University, and his doctor, 
doctorate in education in Christian leadership education from Regents University. He is absolutely a huge fan of uh, classical Christian education and has runs an amazing and helpful uh, publication called The Classical Thistle, which I encourage you to take a look at. It's another great resource in our movement. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Scott McIlvain and our conversation about the power of questions. Well, Scott, welcome to Basecamp Live. Really great to be here, Davey. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know. I, I had the privilege of being on campus with you there at the lab school the Ozarks, and I just share a little bit of a little bit of who you are. I've read your you know your formal bio, but a little of your journey, and then talk about this amazing work. I was absolutely impressed with the unique and important work you're doing there, right in the shadow of College of the Ozarks. Yeah, well, it was an honor to have you on campus, and still really thankful that you um, made it our way to see kind of what we got going on. But um, yeah, I graduated from College of the Ozarks. I was initially from Kansas City and came down. Uh, to Branson, Missouri, to play basketball at College of the Ozarks. College of the Ozarks has been around for over 100 years. It's a work college where students pay no tuition uh, based upon their financial situation. And so uh, 90% of families uh, that also attend the school, the K-12 school that they have on campus, School of the Ozarks, which is a laboratory school of College of the Ozarks, uh, is also a classical Christian school. 90% of our families in the same way don't pay uh, for uh, 90% of the families qualify for financial aid, and that means no tuition. So um, all students on the college campus work 15 hours a week to help offset the cost of that tuition. And kind of in the same vein, um, students in the K-12 uh, help keep up the school, whether it's cleaning or doing little chores uh, to help with the day-to-day. So I graduated from the college. Two years after I graduated, they opened up the high school, just grades 9 through 12, and quickly realized that um, having just a 9 through 12 um, high school in a classical Christian education philosophy was not going to work. And so um, pretty quickly um, transitioned into opening up a K through 8 and um, had been part-time just as a student life director, helping out with student events and, and different little odds and ends. and my role just kind of kept progressing and now I have the honor to be um, <clears throat> the assistant dean of the lab school, which oversee the K-8 building and uh, been there since the beginning. And it's really cool to see what God's doing. And um, it's a really unique institution um, that uh, both me and my wife got to graduate from debt-free, walked out with no debt. And that set us up to do some really cool things financially for our family. Um, and, uh, just love what I do and love this institution. Well, it's a, if anybody, if you're ever near Branson, Missouri, um, travel over and see what's happening at the college of the Ozarks. I mean, not many schools for sure can claim a 100 year heritage and, and then to see in the shadow of the college right on the same campus is this K-12 classical Christian school. So you guys are doing a lot of unique things with some unique resources. And I mean, everything from the, uh, you know, students that wake up in the morning and milk the cows and, you know, make the repairs and run the restaurants. And so it is, uh, I love the signs all around campus, hard work you, which we could have a whole nother podcast on just work ethics today and how classical Christian kids are probably going to be the hardest working ones that graduate out. And I know from touring the college, there's a, a line of employers saying, hey, we need your students because there are not many folks left that, that have this work really ethic fun. and high you know, character. So when I started, I was working in the library and my wife was working in landscaping and those are still some 
really formative years of working with supervisors that poured into my life just as much as the teachers while we were here. So it's really a, a cool thing that the institution has going on. And it's really cool to see how they've extended that into the K-12. Yeah. Well then, and so, you know, you're speaking at this topic, we're going to jump into on the importance of questions. You're, you're really uh, forming this out of sort of a day-to-day life and your engagement, not only as a, a dad of, of three children, but the work you do with students. And so just to mention too, because I came across this article, a blog posting that you did in the uh, website and in the materials you do on the classical thistle. So just mention like, what are you doing with classical thistle? What's the vision there? Yeah. So um, it started um, a while back between me and a colleague, Kyle Rappenchuk. Um, and in, in some ways it was, um, we started with hopes of just stretching ourselves and challenging ourselves to be consistently thinking deeply on things in classical Christian education. And it's been really fun to see how that's really expanded to a larger community of writers and readers and um, bringing other people aboard with us. And um, it's just, it's been, it's been an absolute blast to do. I've created some really lifelong friendships from people that have come from that community and uh, the College of the Ozarks and School of the Ozarks has been so kind to um, have the Classical Thistle be a part of our Classical Christian Education Conference that we host um, each year that we just finished with last week. And so um, it's really fun to partner with them and, and, and um, continue to just uh, um, demonstrate just kind of um, some of the articles and writers that we have uh, that come from the Classical Thistle. And it's fun to see that overlap where um, you know, we had somebody come to our conference in Branson, Missouri, from New York. And, you know, when I saw that registration come through, there was some communication. And she mentioned, yeah, my, you know, somebody in my school was familiar with the classical thistle, saw that you guys had a conference going on and saw what you were all about and made the trip down. So, you know, sometimes it's this small town Branson, Missouri, and people from, you know, big city New York coming down to see us all through the avenue of the classical thistle is just one of those. Uh, really fun um, little uh, opportunities to meet. So we're a part of this incredibly fast-growing movement. So it is amazing, folks from all aspects and all settings that are a part of classical Christian education. Well, Scott, let's jump into this topic because I know it's something that I think we all at, at face value would agree with that we need to be people who ask questions and not just do all the talking, whether you're in a classroom or you're a parent, but talk a little bit about some of the ideas that you, or I guess sort of the challenges that we face when it comes to engaging thoughtfully and the need for questions that really prompted you to write this article. Yeah. So, um, um, wrote it a couple of years ago and and at that time in my life, I just had this sense of, um, uh, just like a, a lot of small talk with my faculty and staff, you know, walking in a teacher workroom and my son had just started going to kindergarten and, you know, we'd get in the car, we do half day kindergarten and I jump in the car and we kind of download and just kind of ask these similar questions that were getting very similar responses that weren't of any depth. There was no like further conversation. It was getting the probably something that many parents feel oftentimes is that yes, no, it was okay. That was cool. I was bored and moving on and just felt like, gosh, there's got to be a better way to um, engage my own children as wanting to learn and and understand how their day was going, as well as other ways um, that provided good questions 
outside of, boy, this weather, what do you think? Or, you know, how's your day going? So just felt like there was something more and, and stumbled upon um, something that really helped and, you know, um, encouraged me to think more deeply about uh, challenging questions and chal- and questions that convey value yeah. um, as well. Yeah, because I think you're, I mean, the questions we ask really speak to the things that we, that we value. So, I mean, that I can think of the, the warning I've given and I've had to prevent myself from doing back in the day, kids get in the car after a busy day. And after you ask, how's your day? And they say, good. You're like, okay, well, we got to find something else to ask them. So, you know, uh, did you learn anything today? And they say, yes. And then, you know, it's just, you're right. We just, how do we really get into depth or we ask the wrong questions like, you know, did you get an A <laughs> or, you know, things that sort of, so think, what are some, again, as we kind of frame up why these, where the problems could be, I mean, what are some of the other uh, inappropriate things we're asking that are reinforcing the wrong values that you've heard and can think of? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you hit on one of those big ones is, is grade driven questions. Um, you know, uh, of we've worked all night on our spelling test the night before. And the first question often becomes is, did you get an A? Did you get a hundred? And, um, you know, again, that's, that's conveying value to, um, whether or not what their day was like, well, if you didn't, then you had a horrible day or we've not learned anything. And so, you know, I've just been racking my brain since, um, you know, you and I said we were going to do this and just thinking other ways in which those questions denote value. You know, I think about often the time that I meet somebody, the questions that I'm asking those individuals is conveying what I deem to be valuable or helping me understand who you are. So I think questions about, um, about grades, you know, uh, I even know in regards to discipline, you know, part of my role is calling parents and talking about discipline. I know that when my own kids get disciplined, the kinds of questions I ask are, are, are my, am I caring about your heart here or am I just, just in that behavior kind of, well, what was the discipline, you know, uh, in those kinds of directions. So I think just in large asking and assessing of the questions I'm asking, putting value in the places that we as a family and as a school representing that partnership together, uh, really getting to the heart and, um, you know, asking and, and probing the student's heart about what's worthwhile and valuable. Mm. And we're going to get into and later in the interview, we'll, we're going to get really practical about just, um, you know, historical questions you can ask and then super just everyday fun, practical questions you ask. Cause you, I just think about it as a parent and I've, you know, I know that we've talked on the podcast a lot about the importance of having a meal together, but so check the box, you have a meal together, but now you're, what are you talking about when you're having the meal or the really rare and precious time parents have before their kids start driving. And I, I can remember like first day, you know, oldest turned 16 and it was like, yay, that's so amazing. And then all of a sudden overnight, this time of just being with a captive audience in the, in the car was gone. And, and I realized back like, wow, that, did I use that time wisely? What were some of the questions that we could have been things that we could be talking about. So it is, it seems so important. And to your point, just as a culture today, and maybe kind of take this out even one more layer, just, I mean, that's part of the the cultural moment we're in where it seems like the art of asking thoughtful questions is just sort of gone. I mean, people stand and get on their devices and stare at each other. Maybe, I mean, maybe not always that bad, but just um, what are you seeing just kind of as a cultural moment as far as just the ability to engage in thoughtful dialogue and questions? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was sitting in a preschool parking lot the other day, and I saw all the parents, you know, sitting in their minivans, and they're sitting in their front seats just on their phones. And, you know, I had one of those awkward things where I pulled up and my window is right next to the window of somebody else. And I just had that moment of thinking, man, I mean, 30 years ago, they're probably rolling their windows down and, and, and talking and, 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 you know, in just about what's going on in life and that, that we've been sucked out of that. And maybe one of the things I just think about is if I'm not intentional to think about these things, if I don't stop and really uh, begin to assess those things. Sometimes I just have this belief that without thought, things are going to go great. If I don't, if I don't sit down and really think about being intentional about the questions I ask, then I just revert back to these really simple, easy questions that don't elicit much in conversation. And so I think it's really good to just kind of take a moment of reflection to just ask ourselves as parents, as educators, as administrators, um, what are the types of questions I'm asking? And are these really, really helpful in um, growing the relationship, understanding each other, um, and, uh, you know, building great relationships? So I think just um, taking a moment to think about it is really helpful. You know, I'm just trying to, as we kind of set up our argument here and look at the problem, I mean, I think we all see the problem uh, of just, again, missed opportunities, your example, in the carpool line. But but even as, as students get older, and that's where I do, th- it gets harder when you have teenagers. And and yet I can think of instances where I've talked to house students at our school. And just one comment that I was stuck, stuck with me was that one of the house leaders was re- recounting the the value to them or the mean deep meaning to them of having a, an older faculty member or one of our senior teachers just stop in the hallway. They were a sophomore, I think, at the time and just said, you know, how are you doing? And then they remembered enough to know of a, you know, they were on the track team and sort of how they had to meet the day before. And just the ability to ask questions that are of meaning to someone can just change their entire day. Like, oh my goodness, you actually have interest in me and you notice me and you're asking about things that matter to me. And that is a incredibly giving way to love and engage, especially students. And so takes a little work and intentionality to keep up with who's doing what and what their interests are and things that matter to them. Yeah. I, I think you hit it right on the head. I often just think about what, when I have a interaction with somebody is who's doing the digging here, who, who is interested, who's curious about the other individual um, that we can look at and go, man, that person like asked me 10 really thoughtful and deep questions. I don't know about you Davies, but there are those people in my life that, when they like the questions they ask are so thoughtful and deep, it almost takes you by surprise often uh, that that the way that they're thinking and the way they're asking. And I think I always leave those interactions with uh, being filled up in love and appreciated as they've put in thought and um, understanding the context of what's going on and what's going on in my life that, uh, man, it is such a blessing to be around those types of people. You know, it, it, I'm thinking as you're talking, Scott, it kind of reminds me of the the contrast in our current moment of just people who still bother to bless each other with handwritten notes. And just even if, whether it's a thank you note or just a, I'm thinking about you note, but you get a note in your mailbox. It's like, oh my goodness, this was, I am so honored somebody took the time to write this versus an email. And I think a thoughtfully positioned question seems to be kind of the same sense of, you really honored me. You remembered you know, how's your mother doing or how's this thing going on? Or just, just that kind of, 
personal question goes a long way. Well, we're going to take a break in a second. When we come back, I want to shift gears a little bit. We're talking about the, just why we want to ask questions and the, how it really is a part of hospitality even. But when it comes to spiritual formation and cultural formation, there are a lot of, over the centuries, believers have said, you know, there, there are good ways to do this through mechanisms like the daily exam that you mentioned your article from St. Ignatius. We, I want to hear about that. And why did you reference St. Ignatius? Who is St. Ignatius? Why did he, his questions stand the test of time? We're going to de- delve into that and then talk a little bit about this new city catechism, which is another way, I think, to formalize questions around matters of faith. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back with Scott. We're all here because we love classical Christian education and we chose it for well thought out reasons. But have you ever thought much about where you bank? Wouldn't it be awesome to work with a bank that shares your love of goodness and truth and beauty? The folks over at America's Christian Credit Union are proud supporters of classical Christian education and this podcast, and they have been serving the financial needs of Christian ministries and schools and families for over 65 years. Find out more about America's Christian Credit Union and how they can help your family or school with funding and banking needs by visiting americaschristiancu.com or you can find out more in the show notes for this episode. This episode of Basecamp Live is sponsored by the Graduate Leadership Program at Gordon College, a nationally ranked Christian liberal arts college located just north of Boston. Earn your master's or education specialist degree in leadership in a program uniquely tailored to the classical renewal movement. Our hybrid learning model includes online classes for flexibility and on-site residencies during the summer. Study a wide range of material, including everything from the philosophy of classical Christian education to law, finance, and advancement. To learn more about how we are equipping rising and aspiring leaders in the classical Christian movement, Visit us at gordon.edu slash graduate slash classical. So Scott, one of the things I love about classical Christian education is when all else fails, let's look back and see what we can learn from the history of our faith and of education. And thank goodness there is nothing new under the sun. So there have been others who've gone before us who've said, how do we engage in thoughtful questions and how do we change the next generation? In your article, you mentioned St. Ignatius. Talk about who is he and why is he such a great expert on questions? Yeah, so St. Ignatius was somebody that I came across at, at a really um, needed time in my life. And um, he had written this kind of uh, way to think about prayer and questions that we should engage ourselves that would help us um, mind the depths of our heart as we think in terms of prayer. I know that often, much like questions I ask my kids, I can often kind of get into the sim- similar rhythms in my prayer life where I pray the same things. Um, but as you mentioned, there are so many people that have come before us that have written such great things. And when I came across this, uh, it not only was really helpful for me to think in terms of my prayer life, but also just thinking in terms of how I might ask these similar questions to my own kids. You know, one of the parents at School of the Ozarks was talking that there's these big gates that you enter into through the campus of College of the Ozarks. And they had it as like a physical representation that when they came through that, It was the time at which they knew as a family they were going to pray for the day. And so these questions, I think, are kind of like this cyclical thing where these are things we're going to pray for. So how then do I ask these questions, both of myself and and, and the way that I've used them is also thinking about how do I ask them of my own kids 
that in turn gives us a way that we can pray that may be a little bit elevated than the regular prayers that we often can find ourselves in. And so um, it, it, I, I read I read some of his thoughts on on his daily examen prayers, and and it's just really helped me in terms of um, asking questions of my own kids, and and in turn then changing a little bit of our prayer life. So just again to make sure, folks. So Saint Ignatius lived kind of where in history? Where would you pinpoint him? Oh, Davies, that's a really good question. I wish I had that off the top uh, of my head. Well, not to put you in the spot, I think he's 16th century. So I mean, he's he's 400 years plus more. I mean, he he's back uh, 500 years even. Um, <laughs> uh, he came way before us. And then you said the daily exam, and so this is basically just like a daily liturgy that folks would go through as they structured their prayers. Is that basically a way to understand it? Yeah. So he, I think he had it set up that it was to be done during lunchtime and evening time. So a daily way that we can consistently just be, um, walking through some of these questions and prayers that, um, is examining the heart. And, um, so yeah, so twice a day. No, it's great. So give us a sense. So what would be those questions that you, you extracted out of Ignatius? Yeah, so his his prayer questions were number one, become aware of God's presence. So these are again, these are ways in which to be praying. Number two, review the day with gratitude. Number three, pay attention to your emotions. Number four, choose one feature of the day and pray from it. And number five is look toward tomorrow. So, you know, we I just those questions kind of flipping them is did you experience or feel the presence of the Lord today? Number one. And number two, what were you thankful for today? Number three, what emotions did you experience? And number four, what are you looking forward to? So these are some of the questions that I've used in terms of uh, rather than uh, how the day go, kids, uh, what, what, um, you know, what did you experience the Lord today? And Davies, if I could just like give a quick story yeah, about please. what that's looked like in, in the McElveen life. I asked this of my middle son the other day. And more often than not, I don't, you know, that's, that's kind of a hard question. How did you experience the Lord today? Just the other day, he says, well, I, I was, I experienced the Lord today. I said, oh, great. Tell me how. And he said, well, I was going to the bathroom and there was a young lady in, um, that was not doing well. She was sick and not doing well. And the nurses were with her and I was, it, it looked like a little serious situation. And I just prayed and I felt. I felt better. I felt that the Lord was going to be with her. And, you know, as a dad, you're just, I mean, you're almost in tears to hear that of your own child as, as they're doing that. But I only highlight that to say, I don't know if I would have got that answer if I would have gone with some similar ways of questioning. Um, if I hadn't asked those things, I don't know if I would have heard that from him. But, man, what a great thing to be um, to, to be asking of our kids and then to like follow up with that and to pray with him for that student uh, to hear that that was on his heart. So am I saying this is perfect? Am I saying it's going to change? I mean, there's still my, I have a first grade and second grader, like they're still waiting through those. There's still a lot of answers like, Nope, <laughs> moving on. Uh, but man, it's, it's really brought by some really great conversations for us as a family. Yeah. And it, in that, you know, in the same vein, again, of Ignatius, um, We've talked about this this guide. I'm actually holding my hand. When we go to video and base camp, people can see these things. Um, it's called the New City um, Catechism. Ta- talk about this. Is 52 questions and answers for our hearts and minds. And you're, you've used this as well, right? 
Yeah, so I started using it in, in our family prior to our kids coming to school the Ozarks. They have a wonderful app um, that you can download. There's a, a children's version and an adult's version. And the way that we utilized it in our house was the children's version, you can put to song, like they have songs that you can play. So, um, you know, we would do those each night. We would sing these songs together. I think every parent out there knows when you hear your kids singing songs of God's truth and love, there's nothing sweeter to the soul uh, that they're hiding timeless truths in their hearts that they may not fully understand yet. Um, but that just over time, you believe that God's good word will be planted in their hearts. We've actually begun using that. And it's kind of funny. We were just talking about this at lunch today with my teachers. Um, I think we're about to transition into series three of those questions, but what we do is um, during lunch, when they're cleaning up, if the students put their trays away and run over to the open area to line up, um, our kindergarten teacher is over there singing these songs with them. They've learned 34 of these songs so far um, this year, and that's kindergarten, first and second grade. And to hear them singing it and their joy and their excitement as they do it, just hiding those truths in their hearts. Um, it's just really, really special. So it's really been fun to see that in my own family and then at school, uh, the way that we're using kind of this question and answer response. Um, but man, it has commentaries centered around to help explain, um, some of the catechisms. There's the Bible verses and a prayer that, that go along with it. So it's a wonderful resource that we utilize both in the McIlvain house and at School of the Ozarks. It strikes me as guys are talking that, I mean, one of the I think if you want to call it one of the many secret sauces of classical Christian education is we're, we're instructing ourselves and students to know what the right questions are. You have to know what the questions are. And again, if, as we're saying throughout this podcast, if the question is like, did you have a good day versus something far more noble and important? Then all of a sudden you look for the answers for that more complex question. So it seems like what the catechism is doing is it's in 52 weeks, you're going through really the core, really the elements at the most basic level. What does it mean to be uh, you know, a Christ follower. I mean, the first one I'm looking at, right, a question was, what is our only hope in life and death? And it's that the answer is that we not only are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God and our savior, Jesus Christ. And that's good. You know, and, and I love you know, jumping ahead here. Here's just so folks get a sense of what's in here's question 40. What should we pray? We were talking about this earlier. Like, can we get out of just the flat, you know, Lord bless me to have a nice day. Like, what should we pray? Answer is, the whole word of God, it directs, inspires us in what we should pray, including the prayer Jesus himself taught us. So if there's a song for it, you want to try the song of that? I'm curious what this sounds like. Can you uh, sing a few bars for us? Davies, I have been hoping you would ask me that question <laughs> the moment we got on. I wouldn't have put you on the spot. Uh, you don't have to sing for Scott. But oh, should... man, no. The first one, I, I think um, that we are not our own, but belong to God. I mean, when my kids hit that high note, it yeah. is just <laughs> That's the awesome. best one. That is... <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the kids the kids ones are they're phenomenal. And uh, it's so fun to see it myself. Um, and then also be singing along with them. And you hit it right on the head. These are questions that are inevitably, they're going to have to answer and understand themselves um, as they walk out their faith, as they walk out their journey with the Lord, or that the culture is going to begin to ask them and to have a rote response to fall back onto through catechisms, both in New City and otherwise, other ones like Westminster catechisms. 
it's so helpful. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, again, I think it's such a great book in the beginning, it, just like you gave a story of, I'm going to, um, I'd like to just read this little story. Cause I think this is going to hits the whole thing. home. it says, um, children are constantly learning their inquiring minds, soak up information. Um, and then it goes on to give this story of, it says one personal story. Um, Jonathan, our youngest was waiting for me to pick him up at the babysitter's house. And as, as he stared pensively out the window, um, she asked him, what are you thinking about? Unbeknownst to her, this triggered the adult ask a question and I provide an answer part of his brain. So his answer was taken from the pages of the catechism. Um, God, what are you thinking about God? And she responded, uh, and she responded in surprise and got the even more surprising answer comprised of the second and third catechism answers. And the answer is this, how he made us, how he made all things for his own glory um, and then she almost fell over. She thought this was the presence of a prodigy. Really, it was just the catechism speaking through a small child. So again, these sort of rote phrases that become truth embedded in. So I, I mean, I think, I'm so glad you're mentioning this and that it, it's yet a tool. It's not just an idea, but you guys really find traction even with your faculty using this. Yeah, I mean, like to that point, you know, one of the things that it's also been, um, that had been a part of our family when we were doing it is, they begin asking me questions. They're memorizing this song. It's a fun tune, and they're turning around and go, well, what, what do you mean? What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to worship? I, you know, they're, they're now asking me those questions and to walk that through with them. But putting forth those, you know, those question and answers, it, it's just been an, it's been a big win for us in, in our home and at school. And so, you know, I think, and, and there's, folks listening, I mean, all mine are graduated now. And, you know, I think people listening that have younger children are like, great, this is the tool I need. I'll implement it tomorrow in the back of the minivan. There are probably others going, oh, shoot, I didn't do this. And now I've got a a one one word only answer high schooler wandering around. Um, I mean, you obviously don't want to pick up your high schooler and ask the first thing, did you experience or feel the presence of the Lord today? I mean, that might be a little heavy way to get the day going. So are there some, we're going to, we're going to take a break in a minute and come back because we're going to get into the, I'm going to, we'll answer this very question of like, well, what are other ways to do this other than whip out the catechism? But it sure sounds like an important way to build habits and inform affections as we're all in the business of doing early on. And then even later on, if you didn't do it, I guess it's just a, a good repository of good questions to go dig out of and then frame up in maybe a less wooden way. What are your thoughts there? If you had a high schooler sitting in front of you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I, when I'm thinking about a high school, I understand those. We do catechisms that are much larger and in-depth in the high school each and every day. We start that way. So we're committed to that in that way. But again, it's the same concept. Hey, listen, you're going to have to answer these questions. What is man? What is prayer? You know, what um, what does it mean that um, God is eternal? You're going to have to answer these questions. Uh, for yourself and also for those that don't know Jesus that begin asking questions. And we want to equip you to fall back on some answers that you've memorized. And once you memorize those things, as you experience life, you come into a better understanding and realization of those truths. So I think it's it's about equipping them to answer the questions that uh, they'll wrestle with as they walk out their faith journey and come into a culture that has very different answers, very different answers to how they would give some of those. Well, I think it's, again, it, it's such a parallel to the education we're offering. And while we're not, I keep using the word, word wooden, we're not kind of a wooden 
methodology around the trivium, but there is reality that young students do memorize well and they love it. And there's that that sort of absorption phase. And to your point, maybe they don't understand all the intricacies of the importance of the question, but in those troubled, maybe later teen years are coming back and they come to question six, how can I glorify God? And we, and they remember echoing through their head, we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him and obeying his will and commands and law. And then the catechism is great because it is getting giving him scriptural cross-referencing in here. So it'd be a great devotional tool. So um, yeah, well, that's a, that's a great practical tool. Why don't we take a break, Scott? I want to come back and just, again, maybe if that's the more formal liturgical way to go about asking questions for students and faculty and others, what are just some of the more winsome, creative, uh, effective ways you've just seen to walk up a, to a student and kind of engage in, in questions? And what, what are some... Uh, practical stories and examples. We're going to continue uh, this conversation with Scott McElvain. We'll be right back. Do you wonder if the traditional system of higher education is the best way to keep your student on the path to flourishing? Are you tired of having to choose between a solid Christian education and practical, marketable skills? We've got good news. You don't have to settle. And your student doesn't have to make the choice between a solid Christian education and skills development. At Excel College, we've combined a world-class classical Christian education with an apprenticeship model that allows students to gain hands-on experience in the field of their choice while providing them with the context to grow intellectually, spiritually, practically, professionally, and missionally, all the while graduating debt-free. At Excel College, students learn how to build a life, not just make a living. Want to find out more? Sign up for a virtual presentation on our website at www.thexcelcollege.com backslash visit. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed in your faith. Be transformed in your relationships. At Union University, you'll find excellent Christ-centered academics and a vibrant campus community that will nurture and support you as you pursue God's calling for your life. Start your journey today. Schedule your campus visit at uu.edu visit. At Union University, be transformed. So Scott, we were just chatting over the break about um, well-known writer uh, Oz Guinness and his book, Fool's Talk, where he talks about the power of a poignant question in apologetics. And he makes the point that sometimes we as Christians are so quick trying to answer questions that people, um, you know, in an attempt to witness to them or share the great, you know, great truths of, of the gospel. But at the same time, maybe we should listen first to see if those are even you know, what their questions are. Because if we give answers before we know what the questions are, we may be missing completely. And I think that that's a good reminder, whether we're doing evangelism or whether we're sitting down with our kids at the dinner table, that the, a good question that really gets at what's important to them is is so is so vital. And so um, talk a little bit about just, again, kind of best practice. Maybe just, let's just talk again to the parent population. And I know we've got parents with little grammar school itty bitties and we've got folks with high school teenagers sitting around, but just again, if this, it doesn't, we're not, I just don't want folks to think the only answer that Scott's providing is to go get the catechesis book and pull that thing out every time it's time to talk. They're just normal, everyday, fun, thoughtful questions. So you said, you were saying to me, there's many times if folks were to peer in at your dinner table, there's a lot of laughter and conversation. What are you asking to create all that? Yeah. So David, I mean, uh, um, I, I wish that every time my dinner table was laughter and joy, but you know, for those that have young, young 
little ones, sometimes it's, it's just survival. It's just, you know, it's eat your carrots and, and don't punch your brother while we're here at the table. And so Nicole and I, Nicole and my wife have, have really uh, tried to figure out ways to turn that around. And so we, we've just, we've went with the goofiness. We've went with the, you know, the games. And so we play a lot of would you rathers and uh, my daughter, pretty much every question or center around, would you rather have a unicorn or a unicorn? It's always, it's just always comparing unicorns to other unicorns. I don't know how that works, but man, we laugh every time. And so we do a lot of would you rathers around the table and it's just uh, a lot of laughter and fun. We do things called like uh, we call the uh, animal alphabet where we say B and everybody has to go around the table and name a, 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 an animal that begins with B. Um, we talk about dreams a lot. Hey, what would be your dream for A, B, and C? And just to hear their creativity and imagination come about. So we really try to be intentional because otherwise, if not, we, we, we feel like sometimes the chaos just gets too much. And and uh, so we, we've really tried to win there with some of those questions that uh, I think is, is just, it makes it fun to go to, to our, our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So there's not always breaking out the catechisms, but I think in some ways laying a foundation for fun and laughter and then having that balance of, hey, let's get down to the depths of maybe some other things of what's going on in your life. Well, and I think again, in the vein of, of habit formation, and we've done, I've done various podcasts talking about Charlotte Mason as an educator and her, imp- the importance of, of forming habits. I know you and I've talked about Charlotte Mason too, and I just, you know, it'd be interesting to get her input on this because I do think forming the habit of asking thoughtful questions, be it serious or fun, it just, that becomes normative. And I think it is hard when you've got a high schooler and you've never done this and all of a sudden you're dropping a big heavy question. So it's good to ask questions again that matter and then questions that are winsome. And I love that you've mentioned the would you rather. There's, it, I had a flashback when you said, would you rather to about 30 plus years ago doing uh, junior high and high school youth ministry in a church. And back then I, there's a book that I had on my shelf called, would you rather? And it was sort of my, um, you know, common pull that was worn, worn very much because I was always pulling it out. And I, I was thinking about this and I, I kind of dug up a few of these because just so folks understand you, you were giving the example of the unicorn, but I think, so like, if you have young children, you could ask a question like, would you rather go on a camping trip or go to the beach? which could be, you know, might provoke some interesting discussion. Would you rather go to the moon or go deep underwater? Would you rather be an octopus or a whale? So I don't know if you have any personal feelings on those questions. Um, those are really young kids questions. Yeah, I have some deep thoughts, very serious <laughs> answers to those things, Davies. Um, but I don't know if we have the time for that right now. I was actually thinking about this too, but I think it's actually like a business sales technique, an A or B. That it's a it's an open door technique to a larger conversation to essentially make an introduction or a sale uh, that you give them an A or B and you take the opposite side and it just is a beginning to a conversation. So it's it's really fun that the business world understands this and that we can utilize a similar concept. Well, just good journalism. I remember years ago reading the old interviewer Larry King. And, you know, just sort of his technique for asking people questions to draw them out. And it's really asking questions about themselves or things that are interesting to them. Um, so I, I got to just ask you here, because it's kind of fun. So the high school version of these would you rathers is, uh, or questions like this, would you rather, uh, would you rather never use a GPS or only be able to drive a stick shift car? So like that might be a 
Dylan, I don't know if you have a strong opinion there. Uh, never use GPS. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's a no win for me because I can't drive a stick and I am directionally challenged. So uh, I I probably I probably take the stick just to learn that. But uh, directions and maps are not my forte. Yeah, grinding gears. That's one of my favorite. Um, so would you rather perform at the Super Bowl halftime show or play football in the Super Bowl? Do you have an opinion there? Yeah, I'm definitely playing. Uh, hopefully on the field, but just putting on a jersey in the Super Bowl would be a win for sure. All right, and the last one, the very classical Christian question here. Um, so it's going to tighten up your bow tie here. Would you rather eat a rotten banana or a rotten egg? Would I rather a uh, rotten egg for sure? Okay, I just... <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a banana. All right. On that sophisticated note, just to give folks a feel, I mean, this is totally silly, but I guarantee you start asking these questions to your children. They're, they're going to, there's going to be some conversation that comes out of it. And uh, then, then you can weave in the catechism after you get through the rotten banana question. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on to catechisms here, kids. No, I mean, I think it's, it's laying, it's laying a groundwork for a relationship. You know, I, I, I think about it. With students as well. I'm an administrator, and often the perception is is I only talk to students where being disciplined. I think about that all the time. I I, I don't want to be just viewed as that. I want to be as viewed in, in in multifacets. I want to be. I want to know what's going on in your world, and that's laying relational foundation. I care about you more than just when you're in trouble. I'm going to go sit at the lunch table and talk about what you're doing on spring break. You know, I mean it. It's why I'm. It's why I'm doing what I do. I love kids. I love hanging out with kids, and um, and knowing what's going on in their world. So I think it's. I think it's having that balance there between uh, the depth of those conversations and lighthearted conversations. That's a great word. Yeah, I've I've had the joy of being on many school campuses, and I think of one school in particular. I won't name the name, but the head of school had the practice of standing out in the carpool line every morning and just this isn't natural for everybody, but this individual just really could remember not only names and faces, but these stories. So the child would get out of the car and he'd be like, you know, how's, how's the cat, you know, and name the cat by name. And, you know, the next kid would come along, you know, how, how was your grandmother's birthday yesterday? I mean, you could just, they were just, their faces would light up because this person isn't a stranger or the scary administrator, but someone who really cares deeply and knows their story. So that's a good reminder, Scott. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Any any other kind of final parting thoughts on just the importance of questions? Yeah. I know you probably are not asking for this, Davies, but I just want to thank you for asking great questions of classical educators, <laughs> of great parents. You are the master. I mean, I, the idea that you're asking me to come on here after doing so many podcasts, I think I speak for everybody that your poignant questions to so many people in, in this uh classical Christian education landscape has been a benefit to all. So well, I thank appreciate you that, for Scott. your pointing questions and we appreciate it. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it. You know, and I, I would say the, the joy of asking the questions is because I find people so fascinating in the work they do and the stories they're involved. I mean, your, your blog post really prompted me to think there, there's kind of uh, it's like panning for gold, like just ask the questions because there is something really rich here that we all need to benefit from. So Scott, thanks for being a part of Basecamp Live and for the great work you're doing uh, there at the lab school uh, of the Ozarks and encourage folks if they're in the Branson area, stop by and see you because you're doing important work. Well, thanks so much, Davies. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, Scott.
Hey there, Basecamp Live listeners. This is Davy's daughter, Hannah, here. And I want to congratulate this amazing podcast on almost five years of incredible content, enriching interviews, and over 200 episodes. So that has brought so much encouragement to people. And thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for supporting this message, this mission. And there are a couple ways that you can help in sharing that message. First of all, please leave a five-star review on whatever app you are using to listen to this podcast. You can also share it with a friend. That's a great way to get the message out about Basecamp Live. And of course, share your story with us at info at basecamplive.com. There we'll also answer all your questions and more. And any topics that you'd like to hear too, please send them there to info at basecamplive.com. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks.